0: Our nation's capital. It's Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Welcome to Deadline DC
1: with Brad Bannon. I'm Brad, ba- I'm Brad Bannon, the host of Deadline DC. Uh, we're go- we have a great show for you today. Uh, I'm a national democratic strategist, a columnist for The Hill in Washington, D.C., and a political analyst for news radio stations WGN in Chicago and KNX in Los Angeles. My company, Bannon Communications Research, polls for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democratic candidates. BannonCR.com is the sponsor of today's show. If you want to find out more about me or my political polling company, or if you have any ideas or suggestions for Deadline DC, the best way to reach me is on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Brad Bannon, all one word. This week on Deadline DC, we have two great guests. In the first half hour, our guest is Sarah Jones, who is the editor in chief of Politicus USA. And in the second half hour, we're going to talk about the economy, with our economist in residence, Dr. Robert uh, Shapiro. But first, we have a clip from Republican Senator Lindsey Graham uh, talking about uh, the Democratic uh, prompt threat to end the filibuster.
0: A lot of the stuff that you just objected to is not in my bill. Uh, His is a stripped-down version, and he doesn't talk about an independent commission. He just says ban partisan gerrymandering, and as you know, the Constitution does provide for federal oversight of state elections. Here's the practical question here. If you Kill vote if Republicans vote as it appears you're going to to kill the Manchin version of voting rights. You've already, Republicans, voted to kill the bipartisan January 6th commission looking into the insurrection at the Capitol. Do you run the risk that Manchin and a couple of other moderate senators will eventually say, Look, bipartisanship isn't working, and you know what? We're not going to kill the filibuster, but we're, we're going to reduce yeah. the number of votes you need to stop. Uh, a debate from 60 to 55. Do you run that risk? Uh, I hope not because I was in Joe Manchin's shoes. I like Joe Manchin. I'm willing to work with him on infrastructure. We're very close on police reform. You haven't talked about police reform, but I think we can get there. I think Tim Scott uh, and Cory Booker and the rest of us are very close to a police reform package that would be bipartisan. But. When we had the House and the Senate and the White House under President Trump, I had a bunch of Democrats wanting to sign a letter with me protecting the filibuster. Every one of those Democrats had fled for the hills, so I was beat on every day. Why don't you give in and agree with President Trump to change the rules so we can get the Trump agenda through? I said, no, I don't think it'd be good for the country. Never once did I go to Joe Manchin or any other Democrat and say, if you don't do some of the things I want, I'm going to agree with Trump to change the rules. I'm not going to be extorted here.
1: Yeah, that's uh, Lindsey Graham, uh, who is uh, one of the GOP leaders in the Senate who's hell-bent on obstructing uh, any meaningful reform in the uh, political process um, or uh, in the need to upgrade America's infrastructure uh, into the 21st century. Uh, And he calls the democratic efforts for reform uh, in the economy and in politics extortion. Uh, that's pretty much sums up to me, the Republican opposition these days, our guest in this first, in this half hour is Sarah Jones, who's editor in chief of politicus USA. She has been featured on many national radio, television and print outlets, including CNN and MSNBC. The website for Politicus USA is PoliticusUSA.com. That's P-O-L-I-T-I-C-U-S U-S-A.com, and their Twitter handle is uh, Politicus-USA. No, just Politicus USA. Uh, Sarah's handle at Politicus is Sarah uh, Politicus Sarah. Uh, Sarah, thanks for joining us today. let's first talk about uh, Joe Manchin in the filibuster uh, about a week ago uh, Senator Manchin mentioned that he would not uh, he would not uh, he did not he would allow the filibuster against the uh, uh, political uh, the we the people Act to uh, continue uh, he would not br- vote to break the filibuster on that important. ...political reform legislation, uh, and then he proposed his own version of the We the People Act, uh, and surprising, not surprisingly, Mitch McConnell announced that uh, the Republicans would filibuster the Manchin Compromise. Uh, this leaves Joe Manchin in an awkward position. He's also always talking about the need to work on a bipartisan basis... Uh, and that's why he wants to preserve the filibuster. But then, when he uh, attempts to do something bipartisan and propose his own version of the F- We the People Act, uh, Mitch McConnell just basically uh, says, No way, I'm gonna filibuster that. Do you think at some point Joe Manchin will realize that his hoped for bipartisanship, uh, with people like Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell, are are just pointless dreams and he'll move to the reality that to get this country moving again, we're going to have to get rid of the filibuster? Is that just a pipe dream?
2: I'm hoping that... I don't see him getting rid of the filibuster, but I'm hoping he will finally see that they need to do a filibuster carve-out on the Voting Rights uh, Act. And they, they I, I think that he's in... A really bad position. I'm not defending what he's doing because if we don't get you know, some voting rights passed, I'm very concerned about where the country's going. But you know, he's in a really bad situation. He is the only statewide elected Democrat in West Virginia, which is on the shortlist of the most Republican state in the country. But I do like what uh, we see with Chuck Schumer. He's trying to show Manchin by using a playbook from Harry Reid, staging a bunch of votes on popular legislation that republicans are blocking to show these democratic holdouts that republicans aren't going to work with them or you could even say to show the democratic holdouts base back at home what they're up against now does that mean he moves i don't know i mean on none of us know i i i'm very concerned That he doesn't understand what's at stake But I know that he does care a lot about voting rights And so that's the big hope that is You know, undermining all of that And I want to go back to the Lindsey Graham quote Just for a second Because he said that he would not be extorted I would like him to explain then His behavior for the four years under Donald Trump Because it looked to me like he had been extorted by someone You know, like Donald Trump he has no, he has not behaved in a logical or any, nothing could make sense of the way he did this kind of pivot and then just started becoming yeah. a Trump Trump puppet, if you will. Yeah, so. uh,
1: he was. It seemed, you know, it seemed to me, Lindsey Graham, uh, during the four years of Donald Trump's presidency, when, you know, way along with Trump, all his crazy ideas. Uh, yeah, I, he seemed to be a toady for Trump. Right. Uh, And, you know, he he just doesn't see, you know, I mean, you know, I I remember I'm old enough to remember a day uh, which is long ago when John McCain was in the Senate. Uh, He and John McCain were part of an effort uh, to open up the Republican Party. Uh, But I think when uh, I think when uh, John McCain died, uh, he took uh, he took. Uh, Lindsey Graham's spine with him because uh, he was a toady for Trump for four years. And now he's hell bent on, you know, breaking any attempt Democrats to re- reform the nation. Uh, so it's a sad commentary on Lindsey Graham because, you know, back in the day when John McCain was still around, uh, Graham uh, was McCain's buddy and, and tried to, you know, fight for reform. But those days are long past.
2: I remember that as well. Yeah. I don't know what happened to him.
1: Yeah. Okay, we're going to go to break now, but we come back from our break. We'll have more of Sarah Jones, who is the editor in chief of uh, Politicus USA. We're discussing the week's political news. We'll be back after these messages with more of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. So don't go anywhere. You'll hate yourself if you do. Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. We're welcoming back our radio audience. And by the way, if you're a part of our radio audience and you'd like to see us uh, as well as hear us, which uh, many people do, uh Imagine people enjoying to watch me. Um, you might actually, um, some people probably glad just have to listen to me. But anyway, if you would like to watch me as well as listen to me and our great guest like Sarah Jones from Politicus USA, you can watch us on Periscope TV at www.periscope.tv front slash Brad Bannon. You can watch us on Facebook Live at tinyurl.com. Front Slash BB Facebook Live. And you can also see us on YouTube at tinyurl.com front slash Brad on YouTube. Anyway, we're back in with our guest in this half hour, Sarah Jones, who's the editor in chief of Politicus USA. Uh, t- Sarah's Twitter handle is Politicus uh, Sarah. P o l i t i c u s s -S a r a h. If you'd like to uh, read more of the good stuff she writes or have a conversation with her, Uh, we let's uh, move on here. Uh, You know, I want to go back to a discussion we had at the beginning of this segment. It seems to me you could look at there. The Democrats have uh, proposed two groundbreaking pieces of legislation. The For the People Act, which would you know, be a significant improvement in our political culture and uh, our political behavior, it would end Citizens United, it would reduce voting restrictions that many states are now imposing on uh, voters of color. Uh, we also have uh, Joe Biden's American Jobs Act Uh, which would uh, upgrade, bring the United States kicking and screaming economically into the 21st century and also fighting climate change. Uh, And the reality is Joe Biden is caught between a rock and a hard place. Uh, he is, uh, and basically because of the filibuster rule, uh, which, you know, honestly, it doesn't seem that there's much chance, uh, that the filibuster is going to be, end. Does that mean we're going to end up, if we end up with any legislation at all, we're going to end up with watered down political reform and watered, watered down economic reform, or can we do better than that, Sarah?
2: that's a great question I think I share the hopes with many that Democrats will be able to act boldly on this the problem obviously is that they've got several Democrats who are not on board and I think we're seeing that with the infrastructure package Um, that now that it's being broken down you know they Democrats have to keep all 50 members on board for everything and they, they break these two packages down and then Uh, some Democrats are concerned that the cinema mansion types are are going to only support um, one package and not the other. So that puts the infrastructure bill at risk. I do think that it's going to happen. I don't think it'll be the smaller so-called like bipartisan plan, because even that plan, the senators who negotiated it, have no agreement on how it will be paid for, and Republicans want to raise gas tax and user fees, and the White House has already shot down that idea. The infrastructure bill, I think, will happen, but I think it's going to be the least likely of the three possibilities at that smaller bipartisan compromise will pass due to the pay for issues. So I'm hoping that we do see movement on some of these things. It would do wonderful things for the country. You can see the um, analysis that has been done by financial people, you know, which is not not even looking at what liberals want for this country, which is for people to have safety nets and for Um, we'd have to fix some of this inequity that's been so long baked into the whole system. But it also makes sense just from a financial point of view. So to see Republicans, of course, um, blocking all of this, uh, not supporting legislation that's very popular, the the, uh, infrastructure package, 68% of Americans support that. You don't see Republicans getting on board because they simply refuse to do anything that would help the country if it also helps Democrats.
1: Yeah, I hope you're right. You know, I mean, I'm editorializing here, but it seems to me that the For the People Act uh, and the American Jobs Act offer the hope of the kind of fundamental political reform this country Mm -hmm. needs. Uh, We need to open up the political process, uh we need to uh, we need to eliminate you know the the power of big corporate money and on the Americans Job Act it offers uh, hope to retooling their economy to make it a modern economy uh, it offers hope that we're going to... Of fundamentally changing the tax structure uh, to help uh, middle-class Americans uh, and reverse the tra- the corporate tax cuts that were enacted under Donald Trump, and it also gives us a fighting chance at combating uh, climate change, uh, and I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, I fear sometimes we're going to end up with meager chance, meager packages on both for political and economic reform uh, that won't make, meet the fundamental challenges that America's uh, facing. Uh one lot, let's uh, let me ask you about one other thing. Uh, the House, I believe, is going to take a vote today on uh, uh, creating a commission to investigate uh, the insurrection at the Capitol building on January sixth. Uh, is that useful? Uh, that's the first thing that the Republicans filibustered in the Senate, uh, but now the House is talking about going it, along, going it alone. Uh, is, is it still a worthwhile exercise, or should we just let the legal process work? The FBI and the Justice Department are investigating the legal process. Is there any reason to have uh, another House investigation of the insurrection?
2: Uh, there absolutely is, we've already seen some things be uncovered by the House that we didn't know about before. And that's the, the whole uh, benefit that you get from. And that's why Republicans are, are blocking it, frankly, because not only do you uncover things, you get investigatory powers, um, but you. we also have the issue of we need the House doing this because we have had some flags raised about the FBI's behavior. Um, some members of the FBI um, in the lead up to that attack, that domestic attack. And so there are many reasons why this has to happen in the House. It, it is absolutely, you would never see Republicans or anyone else justifying not doing an investigation, an independent investigation into 9 11. Well, 1 6 was 9 11. It was planned here domestically. That doesn't make it any less threatening. In fact, I would say, I mean, that 1-6, the whole plan was to overthrow our democracy.
1: Sarah, thanks very much for joining us today. Our guest in this half hour has been Sarah Jones, editor-in-chief of Politicus USA. Uh, After after this break, we'll be back to talk about the economy with Dr. Robert Shapiro, our resident uh, economist on Deadline DC. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon. We're going to talk about the economy in this half hour. Uh, We're going to start uh, the half hour off with a clip from Vice President Kamala Harris talking about reimagining the economy.
3: As we begin to emerge from the pandemic, we have the opportunity to take stock of where we've been and where we're going. And so, this much is clear. The pandemic exposed the flaws, the fissures, and some of the failures in our economy. It has accelerated, in many ways, the inequities in our economy. And so, when we took office, President Joe Biden and I knew that more than repair, we must reimagine reimagine our economy. Small businesses, of course, are at the center of this reimagining. Small businesses create jobs. Small businesses create wealth. Small businesses employ half of America's workforce. And small businesses keep our nation competitive. And small businesses are critical, therefore, to our nation's future. Right now, small business owners don't just need relief. They need access to capital. That was true before the pandemic And it remains true today.
1: That was, of course, Vice President Harris uh, talking about the need to reimagine the economy after the pandemic. Uh, This half hour of Deadline DC is brought to you by my company, Bannon Communications Research, which polls for progressive issue groups, labor unions and Democrats. The U.S. Senate is the place where dreams go to die. The roadblock to President Biden's visionary plan to build back America better is really an obstacle to unlocking the vast potential of the United States. The failure to pass the Comprehensive American Jobs Act would mean acceptance of a meager package of road and bridge repairs that would not meet the grave challenges that face the United States. The Senate would squander squander an opportunity to guarantee the health and future of our economic prosperity if it refuses to follow the president's lead and makes fundamental changes to the way the nation does business in the 21st century. The Senate grinds on slowly, but the world is moving forward at warp speed and is not waiting for the Senate to catch up. You can read the rest of this column and all my columns to the Hill at muckrack.com Front slash Brad dash, dash Bannon. Our guest in this half hour is Dr. Robert Shapiro, Chairman of Sonicon, an economic advisory firm, and he is a senior fellow at the McDonough School of Business at Georgetown University. He is an internationally known economist who has advised several prominent Democrats on economic policy. He was Under Secretary of Commerce for Economic Affairs in the Clinton administration. Uh, his website is www.sonicon.com. That's s o-n-e-c-o-n.com. And his Twitter handle is Rob Shapiro, all one word. Dr. Shapiro, thanks for joining us again on Deadline DC to talk about the economy. It's a First of all, uh, the present President Biden. Uh, I always need to feel a need to say President Biden, so no one's thinking I'm talking about Donald Trump. Uh, but anyway, uh, President Biden tweeted today that the Federal Reserve is expecting seven percent uh, growth uh, for the year, which is higher than its earlier forecast of five percent. Uh, what does that mean for
0: us?
4: Well. Certainly in the short term, uh, what it means is rising incomes and rising employment, Um, rising wages and salaries, Um, increased wealth. It is in itself all good. But um, in economics, it's never that clear cut. No, it never is. We have some really major challenges. And the challenges are not Simple not only the challenge of rising productivity and um, a sound way to both uh, raise people's incomes and maintain a reasonable family life, but also basic short-term issues of growth. And let me tell you why. Um, this year is going to be very strong. We are still coasting, frankly, on two things. One is reopening of more businesses. And two is the very large checks that 90% of households received in December and March. Um, Together there, those checks are... um, about $800 billion with the expanded unemployment benefits. Those checks are in our rearview mirror now. That's not going to happen again. The expanded unemployment benefits are in our rearview mirror. Now, that in itself would not be a problem because because the economy is normally strong. Here's the problem. In the face of the pandemic, American saving rates skyrocketed. Uh, They went from 7.5% to nearly 19% on average over the past year. That's 19% of people's disposable incomes that came out of spending. The reason the economy didn't collapse in the face of that was those checks and the expanded unemployment benefits. It allowed people to do this precautionary savings, because nobody knew if the, if the pandemic might cost them their jobs or their health, and so they were saving to be sure they could cover their rent and food or mortgage payments. Um, so the, the government savings preserved spending while allowing people to save. The question is, how long will the high savings rates persist? If they persist and we don't have more stimulus, which is to say the president's uh, infrastructure program, that's a recipe for a lackluster expansion in 2022 and 2023. Just the kind of weak expansion that set the stage for Donald Trump's election in 2016. So this is not simply a matter of distribution. This is a matter of the fundamental direction of the economy in the face of unprecedented savings. The last time we saved at this rate, um, it's the highest saving rate since World War II. So that's a very long time. Um, That's 75 years. Um, now, after World War II, saving rates came down, though they remained high for the first year. Uh, they came down, and that could happen again. Um, but that, assume that uh, if you're going to believe that, you have to believe that millennials and next generation uh, and late boomers are going to behave the same way that their grandparents and great grandparents behaved. That may happen or it may not. So, in addition, um, we probably need to encourage people to spend. Uh, And there are lots of ways we can do that uh, that are good for the economy, good for for climate, for example. Um, You know, the... uh, uh, tax credit for electric vehicles is about to, it's already expired for GM and Tesla. It will soon expire for Ford. We could extend it to all electric vehicles for another two years. We could expand the tax credit for solar panels to cover all energy-saving home improvements. There, there are lots of things we can do. But, um, look, I... I'm delighted uh, with everybody that the outlook for this year is strong. But we have to look beyond this year. We have to look at the basic dynamics of the economy. And the basic dynamics of the economy say that we haven't done enough yet. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, Our guest in this half hour is Dr. Robert Shapiro. Uh, who's with us to talk about the economy uh, and the need to keep pushing on the economy. Uh, When we get back from this break, we're going to uh, talk more about uh, President Biden's American Job uh, Act uh, and the meager Republican substitutes. Uh So don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon after these messages with noted economic expert, Dr. Robert Shapiro. So you're not going to want to miss this. Stay tuned. We'll be back after these messages. Our, radio audience. our guest for this half hour is the noted economist, Dr. Robert Shapiro. Uh, we're discussing the condition of the economy and how to help it along. Now, correct me if, on the details if I've got this wrong, Rob. Uh, the American Jobs Act, which has been proposed by President Biden and is awaiting action or inaction in the Senate, depending upon whether you're a Democrat or Republican, Uh, has about, uh, I think it's just over $2 trillion uh, spread over 10 years uh now the republican uh, there's a bipartisan group of republic of, of senators uh including joe manchin i think of west virginia uh who are looking for a much smaller package uh which i think is about 500 billion over five years and some of that isn't new spending i don't understand quite understand the details or what it does but could you explain the difference between the two approaches please
4: sure um, look let's let's begin with the fundamental proposition that the Republican position is that they don't want the economy to be strong going into the 2022 and 2024 elections and that's why they're opposing everything look they opposed uh, the covid relief unanimously. Um, or I think with one exception, Lisa Murkowski. And uh, so this is really about politics. Um, the package that they are proposing, you're right, it's smaller than it, than it looks. Part of the money comes out of money which has already been uh, authorized for cities and states, for example. Uh, so that's no net increase in stimulus. Part of it uh, doesn't come from spending at all, but from new tax credits for public-private partnerships. That is, businesses that want to ha- want to build toll roads where they collect the tolls. Um, so it, it really is inadequate, both for the long-term pro- project of increasing American productivity by modernizing all of our infrastructure and not just roads and bridges, but the electric grid and uh, broadband for everyone. Um, it's also inadequate for the more for the more immediate problem of jobs and growth. So it's a um, look the from an economic point of view frankly, the administration's program is a no-brainer. Um, it supports jobs, it supports demand uh, at a time of very high saving, um, and it lays the foundation for long-term income growth for everyone by making the economy more efficient. Uh, so it's a. Um, uh, it's also, frankly. Uh, boils down, just like it, the Republican position boils down to politics, in a sense, so does the Democratic position. The fact is, uh, the only way we're going to get the kind, the public investments that the economy needs in both the short term and the long term at this point um, is to use reconciliation. Um, we cannot do it through normal process uh, because the political system no longer allows it. Um, and, you know, one side has been willing to freeze policy policymaking um, in its own interest. We should be able, we should be ready to unfreeze it in the nation's interest.
1: Okay. Now, it, it seems to me, And again, I'm not an economic expert, which is why you're here, actually. Uh, But it seems to me the American Jobs Act does at least three separate things that um, I can think of. Uh, The first is. It's an effort to drag the econo- American economic system kicking and screaming into the 21st century. I mean, we're all talking about economic competition with China. Uh, China, the economy seems to be, uh, I don't know, I see all these bullet trains and everything, and their economy seems to be more modern than ours, uh, which is, you know, not, you know, not a good thing for us. Uh, it also, uh, completely re ramps the, uh, tax structure, uh, while Donald Trump was president, uh, we had a new tax act, uh, which didn't do much to help middle income Americans, but it did, uh, it did lower the corporate tax rate, uh, and the Biden proposal would address some of that. And also it would, uh, it's an effort to aggressively deal uh, with the climate crisis. Uh, could you talk about some of the aspects of the Biden plan and how would it deal with, with the climate crisis?
4: Well, certainly. The um, uh, the Biden plan includes a whole series of steps which would um, uh, reduce the risks of global warming. Um, from. Uh, creating um, tens of thousands of electric charging stations around the country in order to uh, accelerate the adoption of electric vehicles uh, to um, raising efficiency standards, raising uh, fleet fuel standards, um, and, um, uh, uh, and... Redoing all federal buildings to make them more energy efficient—it's um, a—it is frankly only the first steps that we need to take in this direction. Um, but they're the first necessary steps uh, before, in order to get to the next steps. The—the uh, um, the choice here is: Do we begin to make progress? or do we fall further behind? Um, not do we solve the climate crisis. It's not gonna solve the climate crisis. It's the first step to doing that, not the last step. Um, and the fact is, you know, we have kind of two economies. One, is, in, in certain respects, we are by far the most advanced economy in the world. And that is certainly true um, through a range of technologies and particularly technologies that are either grounded in biotechnology and grounded in the internet. Uh, we are leaps and bounds ahead of China and everywhere else in that uh, uh, in the world. However, with respect to the basic, Task of getting from place to place and shipping goods from place to place, and everyone receiving the necessary information. Um, in the first respects, we are now lagging China. In the second respects, we're lagging places like South Korea and Scandinavia. Um, and that is simply a matter of will and decision. We have the resources, both the intellectual, human and capital resources, uh, to be a world leader in all of those respects. Um, If we decide to make the investments and the investments begin with public investment.
1: Okay, uh, will you explain you brought up the subject? Uh, Now, with the reconciliation uh, process on fiscal matters, uh, that basically eliminates the filibuster with an option. And you can Democrats could pass the package with uh, the 50 senators they have and and Vice President Harris's vote Uh, is. Do you think that's a reasonable possibility for, for President Biden's plan? I mean, is Joe, Biden, is Joe Manchin uh, go along with that, or is that a pipe dream?
4: Well, I think—I um, don't think it's a pipe dream. Uh, I think Joe Manchin will go along with it. Uh, I think you could actually maybe get Lisa Murkowski uh, as well, uh, who's facing a tough re-election fight in Alaska— um, Trump
1: endorsed your opponent last week, actually, and
4: really. <laughs> well, it's a but. Um, we are going to have to demonstrate that the Republicans are not sincere in coming to a compromise that meets the basic needs of the economy. The, their current the current position does not, and we would have to move them kind of midway between the administration proposal and where we are today. Move it up to 1.4, 1.5 trillion um, over 10 years and in actual new spending. Um, And if they resist that, I think Manchin will fall in line. I hope you're right
1: about that. Uh, Dr. Shapiro, thanks very much for joining us today on Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Uh, Thanks to our guests, Dr. Shapiro and Sarah Jones from Politicus USA. Uh, We'll be back next Monday with a brand new show. Thank you.